welcome to our long-awaited return to season two cyberland so for those of you that have been religiously listening we took a little bit of a sabbatical not to anyone's doing for our podcast there's just been a lot going on which actually would lead us into today's topic so today's (laughs) topic we are actually going to be covering one um i feel like it's a wide ranged topic yeah, there's a lot that can go into the topic, for so sure. This is just going to be a general basis, and we're going to start off again by saying we're not therapists, no. we're not professionals, this is just us talking about our experiences and things that we have gone through, been through, seen, heard, and then of course we could probably wrap this up today with resources. Yeah, for sure. Because I feel like this is probably something that a lot of people struggle with. Whether they admit it or not. So, our topic today we're actually going to be talking about is depression. Yep. Hence our long, long pause yeah. on no matter where, no matter when. Yeah, it's been it's been a lot, but I think you know, I think the like misconception with depression is that it's just being sad. Yeah, that I think a lot of people don't understand that depression is actually a mental health disorder, and that sometimes there isn't a reason. Like, when I started with depression when I was younger, I was probably about 9 or 10, and it just started. Mm-hmm. Like, it was just one day I was okay, and the next day it felt like a brick, a bunch of bricks were just laying on top of me, and I couldn't breathe. And it wasn't anything going on in my life. Like, you know, I had a great childhood growing up. You know, my life with my family was great. I have a very close family. Everything was fine. But there was just something inside of me that I just, it was like I couldn't breathe and the whole world was collapsing around me. And, you know, medication helps most of the time, but depression is difficult and there's so many levels to it. Yes. So I think that's what people don't understand. Yeah, because there's that functioning depression where, which is where I usually kind of sit, is in like functioning depression where I'm like, eh, I could be doing better, but you know, my medicine's keeping me stable. And then there's that depression where it's just like, I can't move, I can't breathe, I can't do anything. And the tears and the anxiety that goes with it. And then of course there's the whole other extreme of the suicidal depression and All of that. And I'm sure there's, you know, plenty of levels in between that. And I think that's where I was these past couple of weeks. I think I've kind of been in the in-between world. Yeah. Where some days I can function, some days I couldn't, some days I didn't want to be here. Yeah. Um, So I think that's, you know, it's a wide range of depression. Like we said, it's not just specified. And there's different uh, depressive disorders. Mm Mm-hmm. So, when you look up depression, apparently, the definition is a group of conditions associated with elevation or lowering of a person's mood, which I guess is kind of accurate, mm-hmm. because I've met people who have been depressed, and you would never know it. Mm-hmm. I mean, Robin Williams is probably one of the biggest ones that you will talk about that dealt with depression. Who, Most comedians deal with depression. Yes, who live their life making people laugh, and on the inside, they were dying. So when I was writing my paper, um, when I was in England the second time, I wrote a paper on mental health disorders in the circus. 
And I found out from everybody I spoke to, like I spoke to aerialists, I spoke to jugglers, I spoke to clowns, I spoke to everybody. Um, And the common theme in everything was that clowns were the most disordered people in the entire circus. And I asked one of them because I got to interview a clown and I asked him why. And he said, because we spend our entire lives pretending to be happy so that it takes so much out of us that when we stop and we can breathe and we can just be by ourselves, we, we don't know what to do. Yeah. And he's like, and we can't show any of our other emotions. So when we spend our entire time, our entire lives, professional lives being happy, when we stop, everything kind of just bombards them. Yeah. And it makes sense, like, with comedians and, you know, uh, clowns and everything, that they just, they struggle. But, I mean, everybody has struggles. Like, that's not a rare thing. No. It's just the extremity of mm-hmm. what struggles you're having. Yeah. And I feel like mental, we've talked about this before, mental health is such a stigma. And there's so many different things around it. And there's people that could look at you, you know... You know, when we talked about anxiety, I expressed, you know, my grandparents grew up in a time when mental health disorders were not a thing. Yep. You got over it. There was nothing for you to be upset or anxious or depressed about. And um, that's just how they lived their life. So, you know, when you come in stepping into our generation where, mm-hmm. you know, it started to become more of a forefront, um, they don't understand that. And many people, I feel like, don't understand. You know, some people will say, well, go to the doctor and get a pill that'll help. That doesn't always help. No, it doesn't. Sometimes it can actually make it worse. Oh, for sure. So I feel like, you know, Allie and I have spoken to this, spoken about this over the past couple of weeks. You know, she's had bouts that she's dealt with, and I've had bouts that I've dealt with. And, you know, I would say probably the biggest thing that I find that works for me is grounding Mm -hmm. um and I said with anxiety you know my grounding is you know going outside and feeling the grass or going to sit at the beach and listening to the waves and sometimes that helps but sometimes I feel like with depression anxiety it tends to ease it more but with depression sometimes it doesn't take it away it's kind of you know like you said a band-aid yeah it's not a full because when you leave the beach, sure. when you leave all of that, it's still yes. there. It's and still there. That's the biggest difference between anxiety and depression is that anxiety, once you calm yourself and you're able to breathe again mm-hmm. and calm your thoughts, you're okay for at least a period of time. Yeah. Depression, that's not the case. No, because it doesn't leave. It doesn't. It, it can go it away. can go to the back of your head for a little bit, but it doesn't just magically go away. No. And I think that, you know, grounding can help. But then also, you know, for me, grounding doesn't usually help me. Like, I don't have a place unless you count flying over to England, which (laughs) if anybody wants to fund me being able to fly over to England all the time when I'm sad, please feel free to do that. Um, But for me, honestly, like, my boxing has helped. My running has helped. Running at the beach. Um... And just, you know, talking to the people that I know, you know, aren't going to judge me. Um, So talking to, like, those core people I have in my life. And knowing that, you know, I can say whatever I want. There's no judgment. There's, you know, 
you know, you guys will tell me that I'm stupid and I'm making a bad choice, but it's not judgment, it's care. Yeah. And, you know, but it doesn't, even, even all of that, like I could go do all of those things in one day and still when I get home and I'm alone, it's like it all just comes back. All of that is just band-aids. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, that's a big part um, that I, I don't even want to say it's limited to just our country and our healthcare. I think it's everywhere. It's worldwide that mm-hmm. with depression because yes. it's just something that, again, you know, you said it, anxiety after a period of time and you become calm, it, it subsides. Mm-hmm. Depression is, it's always looming. It's like a dark cloud that is in the back of your brain and it's literally just waiting for the moment it can consume. At least that's how I've looked at it, especially over the last couple of weeks. Um, and I feel like, you know, you have that core circle, but there's also the stigma that comes with it. And you and I have both experienced this and, you know, we've talked about it is you feel like a burden. Oh yeah. You feel like you can't tell anybody because it's going to go one of two ways. They're either going to tell you, we don't understand why you're depressed or, you know, enough is enough. Get over it. And sometimes, you know, you can't get over it. Not for sure. I think, you know, I've, I don't think I've ever said either of those things. No, you haven't. I don't think I've ever said either of those things to anybody. Um, Because I don't. I would hate, one, I would hate for someone to say that to me. Yes. And I've had people say that to me, like you said, and it sucks. But also, like, something that my therapist has tried to drill into my head is that we all do things in our own time. Mm -hmm. We all grieve in our own time. We all handle, you know, situations in our own way and in our own time. You know, when when Canada and I ended the first time... (laughs) You know, everybody was like, well, just get over it. Like, it's not that easy. And I was just like, you didn't feel what I felt. You weren't in the relationship. You don't know what we talked about. You don't know how we were together. You know nothing. So you can't tell me just to get over it. Yeah. And even so, even if you were, you can't tell me when to get over it. Because, again, it's not your emotions that I need to get over. It's my own. And, you know, I think the problem is with stuff like that is that, like, Depression alters your life. Yes. But also those depressive thoughts. You know, that, like, like cycle of thoughts that you get into where it's like, this is happening, and then this might happen, and this might happen, and this might happen, and then what if this happens? And it's almost like you, you cycle into, like, further into depression by overthinking and worrying. And, I mean... I don't know about you, but I, if I am kept to my own thoughts and left to my own thoughts, that's all I do is just overthink. Yes. Is just, I, I, I go down a rabbit hole that doesn't even make sense half the time, but in my head it does. I feel like with mental health disorders, that is a common occurrence Mm -hmm. because, you know, we, we, we've even talked about control when you are depressed, you know, at least for me, when you have to depression and anxiety and you can't control things when that spirals out of when everything spirals out of control and you do not have a hold on it you literally feel like your life is unraveling before you absolutely nothing's going to get better everything's going to stay like it is you are never going to get out of this never-ending circle and we all know a circle doesn't end just keeps going 
Um, and, you know, it's hard. And I feel like a lot of people, you know, we have the burden stigma. You have the stigma of, well, go do this, it'll work. No, not. There's been days where even just laying in bed. And sometimes, you know, my body's telling me, screaming at me, you just need to rest. You just need to rest. Even doing that is not bringing me peace and yeah. clarity. So sometimes, you know, you, I think the biggest thing I've learned from depression, because I went through depression, I want to say from a very early age, I knew what depression was. I started about nine, but I wasn't sure what it was. I just knew that something was wrong. Something was off and yeah. I just felt off like there's no other word for it because it wasn't just sadness no depression at least for me is not just sadness depression is so many things wrapped in to one to one mm -hmm. and like right now i know i'm depressed right now and i know that i'm struggling right now but it's presenting itself more in anger yes right now then that's what it can be yeah and like i have i have moments where i'm devastated and i'm sad and i'm crying and then I have moments where I'm so unbelievably angry that I want to drive to Miami with a glass ring on my hand and break the glass on someone's jaw. But, you know, I neither, neither of those things are going to solve anything. Might feel better, but again, that'd just be a band-aid. Um, but, you know, it's it's hard to, to live like that. And I had... Um, I had someone the other day tell me that I should stop taking my medication. And it was my doctor. It was my neuro-oncologist told me to stop taking my medication so that I could go on a specific headache medication. And I jumped down her throat and was like, absolutely not. I cannot stop taking those medications. No. I was like, if I stop taking those medications, I lose everything. Yeah. And she kind of just stared at me and my mom was like, yeah, no, it's true. And I was like, if I stop those medications, I not only lose my cats and my home, I lose my job. I lose the trust of my friends and family. Like I lose everything, everything if I'm off that medication, Yeah. because once I'm off that medication, then my mood is not stabilized. And then I go off the charts with my bipolar. If I'm off that medication, then I get depressed if I'm off that medication and I have all of those issues, the eating disorder is 100% going to present itself. Yeah. And then I'm, you know, figuratively, I've lost everything and I have died. And then literally, I will die. Yeah. So I cannot be off of those medications. I was doing research before we decided to uh, record this episode. Because, mm -hmm. one, we feel like our religious and loyal followers kind of needed an explanation to what's going on and I'll get into it as the episode you know goes on of what was occurring um but I also was looking into how you can relate depression and the seven stages of grief came up interesting so if you don't know the seven stages of grief the seven stages of grief are shock and denial pain and guilt anger and bargaining depression the upward turn, reconstruction and working through, and then acceptance and hope. And I feel like that is an accurate representation of a mental health disorder. Mm -hmm. 
not just grieving, um, just in general. So you have the shock and denial of something, whatever puts you in your depressive state. Mm-hmm. You have the pain and guilt because you are constantly feel like, whether it's physically or mentally in pain, mm-hmm. that you're dealing with it. And then you feel guilty because you feel like you're a burden and yep. you can't talk to somebody. Mm-hmm. The anger mm-hmm. and bargaining is probably where you are at right now. <laughs> um, and that is the anger of wanting to feel better, of wanting to understand why this is happening, of wanting to get past this phase, of wanting to, you know, slash somebody's tires and bargaining that you probably don't I don't look good in orange so that that's the bargaining phase for me I might look okay in orange and I don't think my kid would be able to sleep for a week and we don't the world is not ready for that yeah no no and then you have the depression that hits again mm-hmm. and I feel it like all I'm comes in like back. the middle of those yes two. then you slowly start to turn that corner I have a feeling with current events for you, you might be on that cusp. I honestly, after what happened today, I... Yeah. I don't know what's happening. I feel like, honestly, with how things went a few weeks ago, I have a feeling that where I am right now, no matter where it is, I'm going to be back to the beginning within the next 24 hours. Don't say that. Don't put that out to the universe. <laughs> I mean, let's let's be fair. <laughs> Don't put that out to the universe. I mean, I'm going to be blocked again in 24 hours. Oh, my goodness. Then we have the reconstruction and working through because you're coming out of that. Mm -hmm. And then the acceptance and the hope, which is, okay, I'm accepting that all this happened, but now I need to move forward and we're going to hope that, you know, I don't get back to this place. So Mm -hmm. it all makes sense. It all ties together very, very, very well. It does. But I think what also has to be clear is that you can go through all of those stages repeatedly. Yes. Like over and over again. It's a circle. It yeah. And it's just. And it could be moment an by moment. Infinite it could literally struggle. be like, okay, right now I'm okay. And then the next moment, like, okay, I'm not okay. Yes. And, you know, it's not, it's not a perfect science. No. And it never will be because you can't have a perfect science with something that is different for everybody. No. And then you have people who, you know, so weird to refer to this, but I had a therapist who used to use plates as an example. And she would say when you go to a restaurant and she would compare it to like a seven course meal. So you have like your little tiny beginning Mm -hmm. to like cleanse you and prepare you for the meal then you go into like an appetizer, then you go into like a little, not an entree, but like a side dish, then you have the entree, then you have like another palate cleanser, then you have the dessert. She's like, eventually you realize you're getting all different plates. If they just brought you a seven course meal on one plate, first of all, there would be no room, things would be falling off Mm -hmm. and you'd be overwhelmed. Yeah. Depression is very similar. Mm Mm-hmm. So there are some people that when they just get that appetizer, that's enough. Yeah. They can't handle any more than that. There's some people that can push through that whole seven meal, seven courses to try to take that on and their plate is at capacity Mm -hmm. and they just keep taking things on. Oh, like it. So that's what I was leading it to. (laughs) So that's kind of where I am. So for those of you that are have started following either our personal pages or even follow you know our instagram because we've kind of touched base on it um 
I feel like the last, I want to say more so like the last six months, but really the last six weeks. Um, I've had multiple deaths, both human and animal. Yep. Um, I've had issues with family that I've had to threaten law enforcement and cut ties with. I have had my child be ill with very, very scary reactions to our wonderful medical staff that we have here locally and their practices and not knowing what the hell they're doing. And then I have had a load dumped on me with having to care for um, family that was not present in our life, but we just kind of decided let's take it on. Not by doing of my own, but I jump in where I'm needed. Yep. And it just continues to pile on. Um, on top of being in school full time, being a mom full time, having a home, having a family. Um, and for those of you that are listening, I don't want you to think this is me complaining. This is not me complaining. Um, I don't really complain. I think I more just cry and just ask when it's going to end. Honestly, that's what worried me the other day when you sent that text message because you are not the person to reach out like that. No. You're not the person to be like, I'm not okay. No. That's just, that's just not you. I think I've said it, take, it to myself, but I won't ever say it out loud. That's why that, that text message made me sad and worried because I think in the 15 years we've been friends, that is the first time you have ever actually admitted that you are not okay. Yeah. And, you know, but, you know, I, I told you then is that it makes sense. Yeah. You have so much shit going on. You have so many things piling on and, you know, even, even you, like, Everybody has their limit. Yeah. And, you know. Sometimes I don't. I feel like mean girls. The limit does not exist. I think that. The last six months, that's what I feel like is the limit has not existed. No, I think that a limit does exist. I think you are just pushing yourself so far past the limit. Because you're also not sleeping. Nope. You're not, you know. So I think that you, because you put everyone else first. Which I totally get. Um, but, you know, it's... At some point, you have to put you first yeah. in order to put them first. And I think that's where I've struggled my entire life. I get it. I'm the same way. Um, yes. So that's where we are very similar. I've struggled my entire life with the fact that I have the kind of heart that I want to see people happy. I want to see people taken care of. And I've always not cared about how I feel. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of just, you know, I don't know if it's, it's like Christmas. I will not have a single thing underneath my Christmas tree, but my joy is watching my family open their presents. Absolutely. I was raised that way. I was raised that you, you don't give or do to get in return. Yes. You do it because it makes people happy or it protects someone or it, you know, makes them feel good. That that's that's the, what you get. You get the joy in yeah. bringing joy to someone else. And I have that quite often. I big on you know what I mean, making people smile. Mm-hmm. And um, who was I talking to about this? I want to say I was talking to my aunt Judy about this, and she had brought it to my attention, dealing with you know 
the, the passing that we are dealing with currently. Mm -hmm. Um, and she said, you know, I know you're not okay. And it was the first time I think I ever heard her voice and know what I was feeling and be okay with it. I'm so used to my family kind of shoving what I do under the rug. And this will come into play when we do family expectations. Absolutely. So we will be talking about this, what I mean more. Um, and for her to look at me and just say, I know you're not okay. Yeah. Was kind of like a game changer for me. It's validating. Because I'm always just expected to, I mean. Just be okay. To eat it. Yeah. Basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like, you know, that validation and having that, you know, I think my husband probably over the last, I want to say more so 24 hours, has realized that I'm not okay. Um, and I've taken on so much, especially, you know, some more who's doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and even today, you know, the things that are, you know, recording this and things that are going on and him turning around and saying, uh, I don't care what's going on here. Just go do what you need to do. That's go great. have a good time. Um, so that validation is great. And, you know, he said, when all is said and done, we really do need to get you back into, you know, seeing a therapist regularly. We do need to get you back to where you feel okay. And, you know, there was a point I had just talked to my advisor about even stopping my master's. I'm at my very end, like literally. But the thought of taking that on right now with everything um, I feel like it only added to that very full plate. Mm-hmm. And I was trying to be responsible. Um, but I also, so this is where my depression comes into play. I also hate feeling like I'm letting someone down. And I felt like by doing that, I was letting myself down because I can see the finish line. Mm-hmm. But chose choosing to stop right before, it was kind of like, you're an idiot. But I also feel like it's very much needed. I mean... And that's the line I've walked my entire life. But the thing is, though, is that, yes, you are very close. But you also have so much going on. Yeah. And you have to have the time to take care of yourself. Yeah. And that those credits that you have, that degree, will still be there when things calm down. Yeah. And you will still be just as close to the finish line when things calm down. And you'll be better prepared and in a better mindset to take it on when things calm down. Yeah. And it's never too late. I mean, look at my mom. My mom went back to school in her late 50s to get her bachelor's. And went for completely to her doctorate. went straight through her bachelor's, straight through her master's, straight through her doctorate. And I think it was like five years she did all of them with straight A's, with a full-time job, with the family... And, yeah, my mom's kind of a mutant, but, um, <laughs> you know, she did in her 50s. Yeah. You know, with... Her her kids are grown. Yeah. We're out of the house. I was the one editing her papers. Yeah. So it's a little easier for her now. You know, she was up till 10, 11 o'clock at night every day and up at 5 in the morning to do her classwork. Yeah. But, you know, she didn't have to take her daughter to dance or take her son to band or anything like that, yeah. you know. My brother 
was God knows where and I was God knows where and <laughs> you know we were around when we needed to be and you know she had that but you know she went back later on in life and it, it's still there yeah the opportunities are still there they don't go away no. that's one thing in this world that I love is that education doesn't go away yeah education may change that's for damn sure but it doesn't go away and it will it will still be there, but I think honestly a break may be needed. Yeah. Because you have so much else going on and you haven't had any time to digest any, any of, of it. it. And that's not fair to you. <clears throat> and I think that's kind of where I'm at. Um I think a lot of it too, and you know, it's not I, I don't wanna just put this out there for just one person because again, this is universal. Mm-hmm. Um I feel like depression is also very looked down upon I feel like sometimes when you're a mom yeah I I would think that because I feel like you are expected again and it's not just family expectations I think it's just expectations that have been put on that title for generations Mm -hmm. um you're not allowed to be human and I'm very big on our home when I have difficulties of just letting it go and there has been especially over the last six weeks where, you know, Madison and David had said, you know, are you okay? And I will tell them, no, I'm not. And I will explain, Mm -hmm. you know, my heart is hurting, or it's just been really difficult, or, you know, my, I, the the biggest, um, I don't even know what to call it, I just lost my train of thought completely, uh, I guess analogy I give Madison is, you know, the rain clouds. What happens to a rain cloud when it gets full of water? It rains. Yeah. And I feel like that is the biggest representation I tell her is, you know, my cloud is full. And think, my tears are me. It, it's it's my rainstorm right now. Yeah. And I think that's one of the things that I love about how you talk to your kids is that you're always honest with them. Yeah. Like, it's not... It, it may be a different way how you explain it to them, mm-hmm. obviously, because they're still very young. Not very young, David's not very young. But it's, you know, you, you still find ways to explain certain things they need to know in life yeah. to I, them. And I want them to see that it's human. I want them to grow up and mm-hmm. when they have kids, understand that, you know, mm-hmm. it's okay to show them emotion. It's okay to show them that you're having a hard time. It's okay to make mistakes. It's okay to have emotions. God, I think that that's a big, the biggest stigma with being a parent and, you know, going, dealing with a mental disorder or just parenting in general is that you can't make mistakes. I am big on apologies to the kids. Mm -hmm. There has been many days that I have lost my freaking mind because they're arguing all day or, you know... It's 8 o'clock at night and Madison's fighting me. She doesn't want to go to sleep and she hasn't done her homework. You know, typical things that you deal with. Mm -hmm. Um, And I will lose it on her and I will, you know, she'll get upset because she's very in tune with her emotions. Mm -hmm. And I am the first to go in her room and, you know, tell her, Mommy, sorry that I yelled at you. But let's have a conversation about it. Do you understand my mommy's upset? Yeah. And, you know, it's not me throwing the blame because I feel like that's where you kind of have to make that that transition Mm -hmm. I'm not throwing the blame on her I'm trying to explain to her why I reacted the way that I did Mm -hmm. you know we have the parents that 
that do that and then you have the parents who be like you're the reason why I did this and it's your fault that I got upset but I'm sorry that's a half-assed apology yeah and I don't want that from her because that's all I ever grew up with Mm -hmm. you know I want her to know that this is why I was upset and it was wrong yeah I shouldn't have been like I shouldn't have responded like that Mm -hmm. even though what you know there were issues and this is how you reacted but what I am taking accountability for what I'm doing mm-hmm. and that's what I want for her I want them to know that when they have kids you know that's gonna make all the difference in the world and I wish I had that growing up yeah you know Madison will will tell you you know especially over the last six weeks and there will be times where she say I just need time by myself my heart hurts and I prefer her to say that to me instead of just going in her room and crying and not being able to verbalize that she's upset and that's how I was when my depression started you know I was a few years older than Madison is not much though since she's she's oh god sick to my stomach um but you know when I was 10 and my depression started and everything I would go in my room I would be laughing and joking Mm -hmm. and be all happy with my family and then I would go in my room and cry and cut myself yeah and I don't want that and I didn't feel I had that space to open up and say, I'm not okay. Yeah. Because, you know, back then, besides, besides the fact that, like, I didn't feel safe, not safe, I didn't feel okay to do that, mm-hmm. back then, mental health wasn't a thing yet. You didn't talk about it. Nobody talked about it. And, you know, I didn't, I didn't feel comfortable talking to my family about it. You know, and I've always had a close relationship with my family, and I knew that my family was there, but... There was that voice in my head that was like, no, they're going to, they're not going to understand. They're, yeah. they, they don't, they don't get it. They're going to blame you or, you know, they're going to tell you you're stupid or you're overreacting. And I would just have these insults running through my head in my family's voice. Yeah. And I would believe it. And so I would just pretend and put on this face that everything was fine. And then as soon as I got in my room, I wasn't okay. Yeah. You know, I would be bullied at school and, you know, I, I hit puberty much earlier than all the other girls in my class. So I had a very different body. Mm-hmm. And I also was seeking attention from the boys at a very young age and I would get bullied and the girls would tell me I was a hoe and a slut and a whore. Granted, at that age, they didn't actually know what they were saying. They just saw it in movies and had their siblings say mm-hmm. it, but it doesn't matter. They still said it. And it still hurt. Yeah. So, you know, I'd be all, you know, oh, I'm okay, I'm fine, blah, blah, blah. These are my best friends. And then when I would get in my room, I'd carve those words into my leg yeah. or my arm or something. Yeah. And because it's, it's, that's what it was. It was stuck. It was, those words hurt. And so I made them hurt. Yeah. And I, that's what I had control over. That old saying, I'm rubber, you're glue. You were just glue. Yeah. Everything stuck to me and everything always has. Yeah. And that's why I've always been so hard on myself is because every bad thing that anyone has ever said about me or to me has just stuck. Yeah. And, you know, I'm doing much better with that now. I know what I'm worth now. I know that I am absolutely fucking fantastic. But, you know, it doesn't change that I have spent many years having people try and tear me down. Yeah. And that isn't the cause of my depression. My depression is just... It, it's what it is. It's a mental health disorder. It's it's just there. But those things make it so much worse. Yeah. Because those people that, you know, 
the the people that physically hurt me, the people that verbally hurt me, the people that, you know, took food away from me because they said that it wasn't healthy and I was fat and they, you know, then ate it in front of me. Like, those those things stick with me and it's hard to get past them to get to the point where I'm like, oh yeah, no, I'm amazing. All of these people that I've had in my life have treated me like shit and told me I wasn't. But yeah, no, they're they're wrong. You know, it's it's hard and the depression doesn't make it any easier. Um, And I feel like again, you know, we were just having this conversation the other day. Depression I feel like is very big now and the suicide rates for kids is devastating. I think is what scares me the most. Oh my god, it's devastating. I mean, over the summer, there was a 14-year-old girl that went to school with David that we got a call over the summer that she took her own life. Mm-hmm. So, and it's happening. So, I mean, I think I read the story, a story the other day about a six-year-old little boy who hung himself. See, here's, here's the issue. Is that a lot of these kids, not all, but a lot of them are being bullied. Mm-hmm. And we have absolutely no bullying policies. And they don't do it. But they don't do anything about it until there's a school shooting. Yeah. Then there's a bullying policy that lasts about a month. Yeah. I think the problem is too, and I've said this for a very long time, even teaching. I feel like people are having kids younger, so parents are becoming younger and Mm -hmm. younger, and they're growing up in. And this is no offense to any of our young, young listeners, but I feel like maybe you're trying to grow up in a, I'm strong, I'm strong, especially, you know, I've had many parents that were single parents, especially women, and they have that mindset that I'm strong, I'm going to get over this, we don't let anything bring us down. Mm -hmm. And I've seen it firsthand where, you know, a kid has come home crying and the parents like, you know, toughen up, we don't cry over stupid things. So there could be a chance that maybe you said that to your kid and they internalized it. And because they internalized it, they now think that any time that they are sad or cry about something, they can't tell you. Listen, my kid cried yesterday because the dog got her axolotl squishmallow keychain and he didn't chew it. He had just barely gotten it, but she cried for 20 minutes about it because it was in his mouth and it smelt like him. And as stupid as it was, I mean, there was a point I think I looked at her and I said, okay, I'm going to wash it. I put it in the washer machine. Issue was resolved. And she was still crying. And I'm like, can we please stop crying now? Mommy, fix it. It's good. But I don't want to ever tell her not to cry over something because it's stupid. Because that's how you get these six-year-old kids who are Googling how to hang themselves. I... And I don't... Also, if you're a parent... And you don't have parental controls on your kids. You're failing at being a parent. And I think I will constantly stand on that. Because you should know what your kids are Googling. The things they are watching. Mm -hmm. The things that they are doing. Because that's where part of this problem lies. Your kid could be on their phone Googling about depression and suicide. And you would never know because you feel like you don't need to look. And or your kid has nothing to be depressed about. And there's so many ways to be able to do that. Yes. To, to watch your children. Yes. And why not just do it? 
like I feel like parents are like, oh, I want to be my child's friend, and you know, no. I don't, I don't want to invade their privacy. No, fuck that. Until they're eighteen, they don't get privacy. And if you're trying to be more of a friend than a parent, you're not a parent. I mean, yeah. sorry, not sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, I tell my kids very frequently, especially my teenager, that I will always be your parent first. I will be your friend second. Absolutely. And I don't want him to be terrified. Yeah. I don't want him to be terrified of me. Yeah. But I also want him to know that uh, I'm always going to look out for him. Mm-hmm. So I think that's part of the problem. Um, and I think I learned that lesson a very hard way. Yeah. This summer especially with him. I was about to say, I feel like this summer you definitely learned some important yeah. um, lessons when it came so, to David. I know. I think that is part of the issue. Um, And it wasn't that I wasn't checking things, because we all know that I was checking them. Yeah. It was just, you know, getting into a teenager's mind to find how it works. A teenage boy at that. Yes. Being a little more intrusive than probably people felt like I needed to be. Absolutely not. With what the situation ended up being, absolutely needed to be that So, I, again... If you're not a parent who is checking on your kid religiously, and it doesn't have to be a, you know, a nagging, consistent conversation, check their phones. We've, you know, after all of this, I said at any given point, I should be able to grab your phone and go through it and not be mortified yeah. or not feel like, oh my God, I'm failing you. Yeah. Um, and I think that's, it's important. It's important. So... Again, if you're not having these conversations with your kid, if you're not letting your kid feel emotions and you're one of those parents that's just, in my house, we don't cry. In my house, we don't stop. Oh, and if you have teenage boys, any age boys, and you tell them that it's not manly to cry, fuck you. Because yeah. I'm sorry, it there's no issue with anybody crying and there's it doesn't make you less masculine to cry. Like, fuck you for doing that to your child because that causes issues as well. Yes. You don't, you may not think it does. You may think you're creating this strong warrior. alpha male. But in the long run, you're going to fuck your child up. Sorry. It's, it's the truth. I, you know, I don't have children. I don't have a teenage boy, but I've been beaten by a teenage boy that told me, that his father told him that it made him a bitch to cry. So, Yeah. Um, that's what happens when you teach your sons that, you know, it's not okay to cry. It's not okay to show emotions and they have to be alpha men and masculine and handle the situation. That's how you breed batterers. So with that being said, talk to your kids, talk to your friends, because sometimes your happiest, most bubbly, outgoing, I'm going to jump in, and the friend that is there, no matter where, no matter when, (laughs) might really be going through something, and you have no idea, because you are so either A, absorbed in everything you have going on. Which is okay. Or you don't know the signs that Mm -hmm. something's wrong. It's okay just to say, just checking in on you. How are you doing? I do that to you all the time vice versa but and it's also for the people that are struggling with depression it's okay to not be okay and reach out for help as hard and as challenging as it is sometimes reach out for help because there are people that care there are people that love you 
and there are resources that you can also use if you feel like you cannot talk to the people around you. So some of the resources that we will put out there, um, I think it is only for the United States. So for our international listeners, I'm sorry. Um, the SAM, SAMHSA, which is the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Service Administration. It's a great website. It's just S-A-M-H-S-A dot gov. And there you can find information on treatment. It will also give you the direct link for 988, which is the Suicide and Crisis Lifeline. It will give you the information for Disaster Distress Helpline. That is specifically for crisis counseling and emotional distress related to a natural disaster. Um, And also the National Helpline, which is just for... Uh, treatment referrals if that is what you need and if you are listening and you feel like hey this is probably something that I should look into do it it, it doesn't make you defective Mm-mm. or a bad person because you you want help yep believe me when I tell you get the help yep and every country has resources yes they may not be the best but they do have resources so you know they are a few clicks away or a few brushes of your finger away if you're using your phone so i think with that being said we might end this yep um also if you have not followed our instagram you should do that we are at no matter where, no matter when, with no A's. <laughs> um, and if you have been following, then you already know this announcement, that we are partnering with SLNV um, clothing brand. Um, they're a really great clothing brand that's here in Florida, but they will ship internationally to our international followers. And um, great fabric. They're really breathable, comfortable. I have a lot of their stuff in my room right now that I have been wearing religiously lately. Um, so, yeah, look them up. They're on Instagram and Facebook. They also have a website, and you can find their link at our Instagram. Yep. With that being said, uh, until next time. Feel good. <laughs> <laughs>